This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Anheuser-Busch, a Belgian multinational drink and brewing company whose uh, stock value has shed $5 billion due to recent outrage. It's Anheuser-Busch. drummer that looks like Will Ferrell. And I'm the bass player named after a bug. <laughs> and this is Ear Buddies. Uh, Matt, hello. Yeah, hello, hello. Hey, want to address some controversy uh, related to last week's episode, and in particular the last five minutes or so of the episode. I'm sure you've seen the buzz. Oh, yeah. And how? Listeners, you may have noticed that uh, as the episode was coming to a close, Matt's microphone got um, incredibly quiet. You could still make him out, but compared to me and and our guest Courtney, uh, it Matt was really not holding a candle. His takes were just getting drowned out by the music we were playing and the takes we were spitting. And um, I just want to take this opportunity as the editor of ear buddies to first say, no, I didn't do that on purpose. I would never try to silence my pal. And second, uh, drop the defensive tone and, and just apologize for the error and for the apparent disrespect I showed to my buddy, Matt. So Matt, I turn now to you and away from the audience and I say, I'm sorry, pal. I didn't mean to do that. Now, Tim, I thought that you meant to do it because I thought that it was sort of a, you know, we were talking about nostalgia and sort of like your relationship with your wife. And I, I felt yeah. like it made made sense as things went on to mm-hmm. kind of fade me out. Because as we all know, when, you know, you have you have your best buddies, but your wife, one's wife, one's partner sort of becomes one's new best buddy. Uh, mm-hmm. After marriage, and, and so I thought it was just sort of a, an artistic choice, which I appreciate sure, and uh, thought was great. Uh, the- okay, you thought it was thematic and deliberate yeah. and artful. Okay, yeah, I did. No, pal, I would never, I would never do that. So, do you accept my apology? <laughs> Can we move on, please? And how, Tim? I it's it's water <laughs> under the bridge. Oh. Oh, that was that was a flourish, Matt. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's my brain is so crazy, Tim. You know, it just it, <laughs> it just picks up these little pieces of conversations and 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 ideas and relates them back to memories I have and makes little jokes. <laughs> that's why we're. That's why I'm so good at podcasting. I think you're good. You've at got it a because, podcaster's brain. That's right. Yeah. Well, you have a podcaster's heart. I would say you have sort of that <laughs> that. Sincere and earnest, but still, you know, detached enough, sort of professional, uh, sort right? Of heart. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to Ear Buddies, everybody, and welcome to our thorough and long overdue uh, embrace of the Peps. I drive all the streets because she's my companion. I walk through the hills. 
Matt, when you hear this music, let's start here. You know what? What's the Rorschach test show? What are, What are you seeing in your brain as you listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers and that clean, clean guitar tone <laughs> and that funky cross stick drumming and that lightly slapped bass? What What hits? Uh, you know what? What neurons are firing, and, and what are they saying? Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start like this, Tim, and I, I don't know where this conversation will go. I don't know exactly where we'll end up, such as the adventure of podcasting. But uh, mm-hmm. when I hear <laughs> the Peps, which is not often <laughs> and not by choice, usually, well, ever, sure, um, I laugh to myself a little bit. <laughs> it's it's like it's for whatever reason it it triggers. The, you know, the part of my brain that finds things funny. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's where I'm starting off. We'll see where it goes. I'm willing to have my mind changed, of course, but... Yeah, I I just kind of have a little little quiet laugh to myself. Look, that's a really good starting point for us. Actually, I think this is perfect. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Matt, founded in 1982. Oh my goodness! They have been doing this for 41 years. In fact, they're still doing it. How do I know that? Uh, I know it because like three of my coworkers and like six acquaintances that I just happened to be talking to recently uh, and I think probably like a family member like an uncle or a cousin or something everybody was at the Red Hot Chili Peppers show at the Fargo Dome in Fargo North Dakota uh, on April 6th, Matt it was the place to be in the entire Flickertail state (laughs) they're on a global tour in support of the two albums that they released in 2022 hearing the rave reviews from this show i thought it's time it's time that the buddies dig into the peps and uh, and see what there is here what possible reason is there uh, that so many people in north dakota and <laughs> heck the world sure yeah uh would flock to uh, to you know stadiums and uh, football fields and and whatnot to uh, to see these guys play. What's the deal here, man? Now, so are you telling me that your starting point is one of uh, an outsider? You know, you you spent the week listening to the Peps, uh, maybe with with a critical ear for the first time this week. Yes, I would say that's basically true. Um, I I mean, I I listened to them with a critical ear, and I don't even mean critical in the in the nice sense. I mean just sort of the mean sense. Um, <laughs> but yes, I you know, in I did listen to them with a. Uh, sort of more academically minded than than usual. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Matt, you and I have so much in common, but this is where our paths diverged in a big way, uh, because 
you probably don't know. I think I've said it, but you don't fully understand how very important this band was to me as a seventh grade boy. I really don't. Uh, I'm willing to get into this if you are. <laughs> you know, middle school. It's kind of the age where a lot of kids stop listening to like what their brothers and sisters are listening to and start developing, I guess, tastes, you know, and preferences. And my listening habits were so, so informed by the fact that I was a kid who really liked uh, middle school jazz band. Okay. And I really loved playing those drums, man. And I really loved funk. We've talked about that. Yeah. Yep. In the past when we've talked about my, my love of funk music. It was mostly uh, in reference to older bands, you know, that were bigger in like the 70s and the 80s. So imagine, imagine being me, Matt, trying to get good at these drums like the kid in Whiplash and realizing that there is a funk rock band out there doing it uh, as I lived and breathed at that time. And they were called the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And Matt, imagine the joy of the seventh grade guitar player, too. And the bass player. I spent like two or three years, well before you and I met, uh, in bands. And our number one purpose was to cover Red Hot Chili Peppers tunes. Tim, I know... That I must have known this about you. Surely you would not have kept it a secret for so many years. I get it. Uh, it's probably it's probably like you know when I first heard you know Yellow Card's debut album. You know punk pop punk yes. with it with a violin. I mean yeah, that lights something yeah, yeah, up in yeah, yeah, your brain yeah. that you can't you can't deny or explain. And that's where you were. <laughs> and I uh, I do get it. I get it. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right, dude. I think it was the same sensation there that you felt the same sort of rush. Man, Matt, these drums. The mess you made was nominated. This is the reason, Matt, that I insisted uh, at the shows that you and I would go on to play together on tuning that snare drum up so freaking high <laughs> and making it sound like a, a popcorn kernel popping in the microwave. Their music is this perfect blend of... Hmm musical and and do you know what i mean I, i'm saying like you know the musicianship there on display yes. um and also like elementary basic like the way this guy sings matt you know like it's so like it is like nursery rhymes Getting born in the state of mississippi papa was a copper and the mama was a hippie it's so like Painfully rhythmic. These these guys are painfully rhythmic. All all four of them. That's that's a good way of putting it. Because I think so. Here here's where I am, Tim. I know about the individual peps, right? I've read the Wikipedia pages, and not just for this episode, mm. just for pleasure, you know. Yeah. Many many times actually. Mm -hmm. uh, and like at least at least the uh, the drummer. 
and the bassist Flea, right, and the, and the guitarist John Frusciante most of the time. Yes. Uh, they are incredibly talented, obviously, right? Uh, like, yeah, right. It's on display on every tune. Yes, uh, you know, and and I, you know, like I was not in the the same funk circles that you were in, but I did hear people way back in the day, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, of course, listening to to these fellows and uh, having opinions about. Well, is John leaving the band? But then he came back. But then he left again. But then he, <laughs> yeah, you know, all all these politics, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And so I, you know, I read up, and mm-hmm. my thing, Tim, is that be, they are so um, they are so gifted and so talented, and I sort of <laughs> yeah. wonder why why they why they make what seems to me to be just like goofball music so but you love this you love this goofball music yeah man i do i i i did i think I think I did age out at some point. Like, I, I couldn't... You know what it was, Matt. It was Danny California. Ah, uh, please go on. I think this kind of revealed how nursery rhymey they were. And and once you understand that, you can kind of read it into most of their back catalog, too. And, and that is where... That's where they lost me. But I think there are a number of tunes, some of the less... The, boun- the less bouncy stuff, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually do freaking rule. I'll, I'll take, you know, I'll take you through uh, just a few of them. And they're, you know, they're the greatest hits, right? Under the Bridge is a darn good tune. <laughs> of course. Californication, funny name, great joke, and it's a great tune. Yeah, I, I will own up to liking that tune quite a bit. I could relate to all four peps in 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 that they they all just love funk music so much but it was when they resisted the temptation uh of the slap bass and of the syncopated snare drum that they actually probably did their best work scar tissue is a good one It's it's a fine one. It's okay. <laughs> you know. Okay. So, look, Tim. Now you you are pretty clearly the the captain of this particular episode. Yeah, and I'm sorry that I'm hogging the mic. I apologize. No, 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 no. I really prefer it because what do I have to say <laughs> other than in reaction? You know what I mean? Um, but I wonder. So that that mm. intro to Scar Tissue, that guitar part. Uh huh. Um, I think that I wrote that when I was 15 years old. You know what I mean? Like, it is. Yeah, it, it feels just juvenile and nursery mm-hmm. rhymey for sure. 
And yet, that's obviously not a uh, disqualifier. Off, you know, nursery rhymes get stuck in our heads because, you know, of how they are, right? Yeah, <laughs> because yes. of the cadence and uh, and it's just. Is it possible to? I mean, are you trying to defend that these these very talented artists, real musicians, mm-hmm. are are doing this type of thing? Are you waxing nostalgic? What? what where? What? What? What are you yeah. talking about? <laughs> right. Why are we even doing this? It's a good question, Matt. I. Well, we're doing I this because of the Fargo Dome. I know that. Well, that's yeah, that's the reason. Um, I am, what I think I'm doing is I'm trying to, for the first time, wrestle with uh, the the pain of the old wound, if you will, of sure. the nostalgia. Okay. Yeah, right. Because I I do remember these days fondly. This is you know they they did um, light a fire in me and got me into garage bands in like eighth and ninth grade right and and that's that's very very good um, and I think there's a lot to admire about what they do and, and did and are still doing um, but I am recognizing that I stopped listening to them at some point in my life and now as I revisit it I'm like kind of disturbed <laughs> by by what I hear and so yeah, I think this is just a reckoning um, and trying to trying to articulate like what what was working for me in seventh grade that is not working for me now at 32. Sure. Okay. Now, Tim, I'm going to I'm going to throw a, a little firecracker into the circle here and just please I want to I want to kind of expand your mind a little bit, if I might, or, or, or try <laughs> yeah. to. Yeah, um, would you? You are familiar with the Maroon 5 album Songs About Jane. And how, man. How dare you say that my behavior is unacceptable. So condescending, unnecessarily critical. I remember you putting me onto that because, you know, from mm. time immemorial, you have been a jazz and funk and, you know, classical guy, and I've been a bluegrass and folk and, and world beat guy. That's just that's just yeah, who yeah. we are, right? Right. Uh, yep. But I remember explicitly expressing to you, I don't like Maroon 5. And you mm. showed, showed me this album, and I listened to it, and I said, never mind, I get it. <laughs> and and Maroon Five, I'm bringing them up uh, not just for the philosophical comparison, but because you know that album, that was some some funk rock, that was some blue eyed soul, that was you know there was a lot of yeah, uh, it was it's their first it was their first major label album. Um, also came out when I was in middle school, and right also uh, hit me that same way, like wow, look, you know, popular music can be funky. Wow. Yes. Now now that's that's the point. I wanna. I want to ask now. So, looking at mm. Maroon 5's career, it's a pretty obvious, like, it's Adam Levine now. And he yep. is having mainly other people write stuff. And he's fully abandoned everything but his incredibly piercing voice, right? Like, there's. Yes. He's, he's right. just. He's doing pop, and that's just it. And it's. Yeah, it's no the most trace. Yeah, no trace of songs about Jane on any of their like last seven albums. Yeah. Here's to the ones that we got. 
Yes, on any of his last sub seven albums. <laughs> Thank you. No, but 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 so it's easy to look at Maroon Five and and see, you know, as a guy who liked funk back in the day, why uh-huh. their output sort of since then would leave you cold, right? Or at least you would appre- appreciate it for a different reason. With yes. the, with the Peps. Is that is that what's going on, or like you're you know you're listening to their new stuff and being like, well, this is just this isn't how they used to be, or are you now looking back and saying I just had terrible taste as as a teen, which is fine because you know who among us? Yeah. The thing is, the Peps, uh, the the last two albums, Matt, that they have released and are supporting with this tour in Fargo and elsewhere. It's the same. It's the same junk that they have been doing since 1982. It's uh, it's. I mean, for here's the uh, here is the ostensible hit from uh, their second most recent album, Unlimited Love. This song is called Black Summer. And tell me, Matt, if this drum beat sounds familiar. <laughs> I know it's, that drum beat. I mean, they're the, you know, this is the this is the road not taken by Maroon Five. It's, uh, they they have continued down the the funk rock, um, sort of hip hop thing, uh, you know, funk rap thing that they've been doing for so long. They have not um, changed course. By a single degree, it's crazy. Um, I guess what I think, I guess the way I the way I look at this now, Matt. If you ask me, are the Red Hot Chili Peppers are the Peps uncool? I mean, it's a no brainer that it, the answer is yes, right? Yes. Have they always been uncool? No. But were they uncool when I discovered them, even in seventh grade? I think yes. Um. Here's where I'll come down on it, Matt. Not in a place of uh, shame over my old taste or (laughs) anything like that. I think I will come down and say that actually what's happening with the peps here in 2023 is something that that is beautiful and maybe perfect. Okay, I'm listening. 1982, right? They've been doing this... As I said, 41 years. They have been through a lot, you know, as one can discern from their Wikipedia page. You only have to get to the second paragraph to learn that one of the original members, the original guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, died of a drug overdose in the 80s. Uh, Early, early, early on in the long career of this band, they you know, went through a loss together. Their lead singer, Anthony Cadis, has battled drug addiction himself. He wrote an autobiography about it. And in that, he talked about how, like, they would, like, all as a group party too hard and then sober up, maybe some of them, not all at the same time. And so one or the other would, like, feel isolated from the group. Um, But the core group of four after they replaced uh, Hillel Slovak who died 
that same group of four, Matt, is still going. It's that's it's the same group. What they have pushed through it, and they've reached this point where they, you know, they've been making the music they like, which is boring and like sort of childish, and like weirdly horny and, uh, you know, cool and funky for for four decades, and they are essentially all at retirement age. And they're still doing it. Like, they drop new tunes that mean nothing, that do nothing new. They go on these tours, they just co- they're coasting through life, doing what they love, just being buds, and kind of peacefully going about their business. Isn't it kind of lovely, I guess, that, that a, a group of four immature funk-loving weirdos made it this far and and shouldn't we shouldn't we give them their tenure at this point and just say hey whatever you know just keep keep doing whatever makes you happy i you know what that's good that um <laughs> we always talk about the tunes that's we do really for me tim what it's all about right <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah. since since honestly since our our hyper pop episode and yeah. and kind of uh sharing you know some interview quotes from the gex mm-hmm. i think i think a lot more now about like the context and like who who is this for right and uh are we going to treat for example a 40 year old band uh with the exact same critical eye that we might treat you know, a young up-and-comer or a more established uh, but younger act who's, like, doing yeah. new stuff, right? And, and one must ask oneself, what what was it that brought all those people to the Fargo Dome? Um, I think... <laughs> I think they just wanted to have a good time. Yes, yes. Funk is a really good time, man. Uh, right, and and the fact that they sort of against at least many odds kept this thing together, and they're still just m- kind of making the same sounding music over and over yeah. again. Well, that's not a bad way to live, and and they've got they've got their fan base. I don't think they're looking for new fans right now, actually. And so, no, certainly. You know, I, I, I'm sure there were a lot of 45-year-old men and women, probably even older, at, at the Fargo Dome that night on April mm-hmm. 6th. <laughs> and I bet they had a rollicking time. And, you know, sometimes music is entertainment. <laughs> sometimes yeah. they say arts and entertainment, but sometimes it's just, you just want to have a good time. And Well, Matt... Yeah, that's fine. That's great. I think that's a bingo, dude. It everybody just went out to the Fargo. To, gosh, I wish we could have been there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, to to put a button on it. As someone who's still like, I don't see my love of funk music as something juvenile. I think the Red Hot Chili Peppers are uniquely juvenile in a way. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think I think the 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 spirit. Uh, uh, that I have for uh, for funk music and jazz 
Um, I mean, that hasn't left, right? And, you know, for for everything, you know, positive and negative that we've said about the Peps today, Flea, as a bass player, uh, like, actually changed the game and and changed the way a generation of bass players uh, played the bass. You can you can listen to interviews with uh, like Joe Dart from Wolfpack, one of my favorite funk bands working today, and he has explicitly said that Flea was his main influence when he was coming up. And you know the way he slaps the bass on so many of these tunes that was something that he invented essentially. So um, in terms of cultural impact. Uh, just beyond the goofy fun that they've been having for so long, uh, you know, real musicians out there rejoice and and have a lot of uh, a lot of gratitude for what for what Flea did for funk bass playing. I, I just want to mention that as um, an echo of what the Peps did um, that has been taken and and changed and reworked and refined by another generation of players and that is pretty cool it really is and and just to go on record here i have nothing but respect for our guy flea uh i actually i I have watched tons of interviews read tons of interviews i know you know the equipment he uses i care about what flea is doing and i fully agree i think the cool thing about what he did, kind of whether or not he was intending to do this, was he made the bass like an instrument that you could play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you don't. Yeah, yeah. The, the bass always stays out of the way. It's if it's you know you don't miss it unless it's not there. But with Flea, that was uh, that was kind of front and center. And and for that, if nothing else, mm-hmm. I will I will uh, doff my cap. The Peps. Wow. What else is there to say? Well, there's a little more to say, but we'll do it um, after a brief commercial message. Sounds good to me. Ear Buddies. We'll continue in a moment. This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light. Hey, pal, Matt. Hey, buddy. pal. Hey, Tim. We love what we do, right? You know, this podcast, it's its its the dream, you know? It is the I think dream. for both of us. Yeah. You know, at some point, the dream becomes work, though, right? And, and it is in moments like this when I am forced to read to you a few... Uh, topical headlines related to Anheuser-Busch that, uh, well, the work, the, the dream is not as fun as I um, 
as I wish it always was. From Newsweek, Anheuser-Busch stock drops amid Bud Light Dylan Mulvaney controversy. New York Post, Anheuser-Busch loses more than $5 billion in value amid Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light controversy. Fox News, Anheuser-Busch sheds roughly $5 billion in value since Bud Light's Dylan Mulvaney pact sparked outrage. You and you and I could spend some time getting into the culture wars, right? And and I'm sure we I'm sure we will, and and <laughs> I'm sure that's what Anheuser Busch wants us to do it in this ad is, read. But, yeah, that's bait. But before, yeah, exactly, it's bait. And I would like to ignore it for just a second, and instead say to you, is there anything better than cracking a cold one? <laughs> Oh, Tim, I'm so glad you asked, because we, we're we buddies, you and me, and, yeah. and if I know one thing about buddies, they love to kick back and just crack open a couple cold ones, you know? <laughs> they do, bro. That's, yes, and a six-pack. Yeah, a six-pack or a 12-pack if you're going a crazy. A 12-pack. it's a Friday night, right? Or they sell them in 24-packs, too. You know that? And, and you, can, you can just go and get, like, one at a time if you want as well. <laughs> it's, it's, That's true. It's, Tim, as an American, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> beer, I mean, that's, yeah. that's it for me. That's, like, I don't know if there's anything better than cracking open a cold beer especially with one of your buddies you know what i mean i mean like just i'm i'm not it is yes it it elicits this feeling of truly never-ending joy the moment you hear that crack and i'm going to insert the sound of a cold one being cracked that sound matt Echoes through one's mind infinitely. It is something of a house of mirrors. Uh, but you, but one is not trapped in this house of mirrors. One is there willfully by choice. It's like it's oh, mad. It's eight thirty at night, and you you crack that first cold one. This night's going to go on forever, and it's going to be fun the whole time. <laughs> that has been my experience every time. It's. I and if I may, if I may, I'm please, sorry, man. No, I, please, I, I, please. It has to be a Bud Light. It has to be a cold one. Like there you go. Please, please do not bring even a Budweiser. Forget that. Don't bring any strange imports mm, or no. IPAs. No, anything like that. No, no. It's gotta be a Bud Light. It's I'm gotta afraid. be a Bud Light. <laughs> wow, Tim. I'm s- uh, sometimes you just you speak my thoughts before I speak them, and and this, I mean, I know it's probably you know a a uniquely American experience, like I you know hinted at prior, but just mm-hmm. it is a gift uh, that the Anheuser Busch Corporation gives us, um, not freely, yes. you know, but it's not that, it's not expensive. It's not like an IPA, you know. It's pretty yeah. cheap. And it's and it's worth every dollar. And it's right. worth every dollar. Uh, and where are we now today, Matt? It's 2023. 
And everybody's uh, squawking, right, about um, Bud Light's choice to uh, to introduce transgender TikToker Dylan Mulvaney as a spokesperson for Budweiser. Oh, boy. The way I look at it is Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch, their parent company, has never has never goofed up. They've never screwed anything up. So uh, any headline out there trying to tell me that they did a goof up here, I am going to uh, promptly close the tab and say, I don't think that's true. Well, no, Tim, absolutely not. And I mean, yeah, as, as we know, and as you've mentioned, this issue is a is a thicket full of brambles and snakes, right? And and there's mm-hmm. so many wrong turns you can take. But I do not believe for one instance that Anheuser-Busch um, messed up. I don't, I don't no. think that's ever happened. Uh, and I, I'm, not, I'm not going to accept that. What I think is, well, Martin Luther King Jr. said that the moral arc of the universe is long <laughs> but it bends toward justice and yeah you know and uh and i believe that he was right in saying that i agree with him i agree with martin luther king jr and he i don't believe was speaking about uh this particular issue but <laughs> but yeah but, maybe not but you and i and and the army and well a lot of us we're, we're smart mm-hmm. people we can uh, draw connections and I think that five billion here's what I'll say five billion is a small price to pay for uh, your soul if I may yeah yeah you know like I'm afraid you're right and I uh, I hate to be the bearer of this news Matt but actually if you if you Google the stock of Anheuser-Busch in BevSA um, on the New York Stock Exchange, and instead of just looking at like the five-day uh, stock price fluctuation and look at it year-to-date or, heck, even just a, a whole month, um, they've actually gained value. Um, so it's it's possible that actually they're... The arc of the universe is bending towards justice, and yet the rich are still getting richer. So, oh, now that's now that's crafty, Tim. Now that is crafty <laughs> marketing. There, there are some smart people at Anheuser. They that is good. That is good stuff. Wow. Okay. Look, Tim. You know, we here in America, we yeah. have our opinions, and we. Some people make us mad, and mm-hmm. uh, and and sometimes we lash out, and we don't. Yeah, we we we, we are angry because we're we don't understand, right? And that yeah. that causes us to to be become angry, and mm-hmm. and to just mm-hmm. strike out at at whatever we possibly can. We're grasping for for meaning, and we're grasping for control. Uh, yeah, and that that's all of us. Um, that's right. That's right. But I'm going to just pose one question. Regardless of your your political affiliation and your ideology mm-hmm. and your religion and whatever, is a life without Bud Light worth living? 
That would that's my question. <laughs> I know my answer. Oh, I made up my mind on this matter a long time ago. Uh I don't think there is a single thing on this planet, a single scenario, uh, the, a moral dilemma that you could present to me. If one of the railroad tracks is you never get to crack a cold one with your bud ever again, not a chance in hell I ever take that, ro- that nope. railroad track. I'm sorry. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. And, and, I, and I agree with you, Tim. And I think that most <laughs> Americans will Agree. I mean, if you really, if you sit down and you reflect and, and you look at the quality of your life with a cold, a cold brewski in your hand versus, <laughs> versus without, I mean, that it's night and day, you know? Brewskis. <laughs> Matt. You know? You know what I'm saying. Man, what is, what is life without a brewski? I don't. I don't know if it is a life. It's no, it's it is no life. So to all of you out there, angry, confused, hurt, happy, anything, anything in between. There is solace out there. There is an answer for you. And it comes in the form of a cracked cold one. Mhm. A cracked cold brewski. A Bud Light. Bottled by Anheuser-Busch, sponsor of Ear Buddies. Welcome back to Ear Buddies, and welcome back to a segment that we, we simply don't do enough on this show, Matt. It's called Song Exploder. A title we came up with ourselves. Oh, I love... This is one of my favorite segments, Tim, and you're right. We've we've not done this nearly enough, and mm-hmm. the day that you and I thought up this idea and this name for it, I knew <laughs> that it would be a hit, and it has proven to be. Yeah. I am going to explode a song by the Peps uh, that is one of their better known. It's one of their... Uh, most beloved, it's called By the Way. And, you know, I invite you to enjoy the guitar tone. Anthony's, uh, you know, one-of-a-kind voice. That cross stick, that bass. This is pure peps, right? That's all peps all the way right there. Uh, but something's about to happen. And when it happens, Matt, I want you and all of you at home to listen closely to Anthony Cadis's rap cadence. Stick knife. Concha. Concha. She's such a little DJ, get that quick by street, but not the freeway, turn that chick to make a little leeway, beat that nick, but not the way that we play Dogtown. Now, Matt. Yes. Wasn't that terrible? Yes. I think this is at the core of their their uncoolness. I think it's why they have maybe always or almost always been uncool. And I would argue, Matt, that it all comes down to the way that dude raps. And 
what I mean by that is his insistence, his militant uh, adherence to landing each note right on the beat. It's like it's he is metronome perfect with with his flow there. Tim, I'm I'm glad you said the word militant because as I was listening to that, I was thinking it sounds like he's you know marching in the army. Like that's that's the sort of yes. cadence. I mean, slowed down, but that's the cadence that they use. <laughs> it's right. It's right on beat. Uh, it sounds like you know. Uh, baby's first rap you know like that's how that's how you think you're supposed to rap if you don't know how to rap yeah dude exactly it's it is a telltale giveaway of someone who doesn't maybe uh fully understand the nuances of uh hip-hop and rap let me share some counterpoint here uh to better illustrate that matt uh i'm gonna play a song by kendrick lamar I got so many theories and suspicions I'm diagnosed with real conditions Today is the day I follow my intuition Keep the family close, get money Matt, I'm sure I don't have to tell you, uh, you know, that the difference is literally immediately obvious from Kendrick's (laughs) first note. What is different here is his understanding of flow. You'll listen to a lot of good rappers of past and present. And, you know, we haven't talked a lot about hip-hop on this show, man, and I think for good reason. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> you and I know enough to know how crucial it is to sit in the back of the beat. Mm. Get, uh, get in the pocket. To get back there in the pocket. Yes, exactly. It is uh, something that I think originated from my reading... Uh, on the West Coast, maybe even specifically in L.A., which explains why Kendrick um, adheres to it, the offbeat flow. It's this idea that to actually sound like hip-hop and to to have uh, anything that resembles a flow, you don't want your notes to land on the beat. You want them to, to be a little lazy. You want them to, to sit... Uh, to drag a little bit, to kind of uh, lag behind the drums and the bass. And Kendrick is so very good at this. But it's money to get the hit. Yeah, zeros to flip. Temptation is, yeah, first on my list. I can't resist. Yeah, everyone together now know that we have a buzzing radar. It's, it's subtle um, if you just like. Look at the wavelengths, probably. Yeah. But the effect is not subtle at all. No, you can absolutely tell. I mean, when you listen to something like, by the way, or I guess the Peps rapping, uh, yes, it just sounds like they're doing it wrong. You know what I'm like? And, and they are doing it wrong. <laughs> yes. But it sounds like they're reading sheet music. It's like a, it's like a recital or something. I mean, that's the effect. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you hear any good rapper and it sounds like music it sounds like a song i think it is sort of a 
a tell um, that maybe maybe Anthony Cadis and the Peps um, kind of get it, but they may maybe they shouldn't be doing that so much. And it's in so many like Danny California. One of the reasons that song is such a snoozer to me is that uh, you know his his words are so oh, 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 choppy. And it all follows this rhythm, and it all lands on the beat. It's so frustrating to listen to. Yeah. It is the same reason, by the way, Matt, that, um, and I hate to say this, it is the same reason that Hamilton is uncool. Ooh. Ooh. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. To King's College. <laughs> That's really good. There is no flow in Hamilton. I hate to say it. That's really good. I, w- I once again, I wish you hadn't brought this up. You know, in the in the final segment, because that's really funny, and I hadn't thought about that. It's exactly right. But like, they're not rappers. You know, they're they're yeah. theater kids. They're librettists. They're not <laughs> Matt. They yes, they are theater kids. You know. <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's that's excellent. But yeah, that's exactly right. And that, like, it sounds as good as the tunes can be, both in you know Hamilton and and the Peps, I suppose. Uh, mm-hmm. It it really takes you out of it when you when you hear that. There's, it's not, and it's not cool. It's never cool. It's not cool. That's that's really all I want to say here. Is just that is um, maybe the the most uncool thing that the peps do um and hey man i get it they're you know they're funk guys they're jazz guys probably they all love that they love the beat (laughs) a little too much i think that's the peps and uh that's our ep on the peps wow tim great work really good sort of self-exploration uh thank you and and bringing in these disparate concepts and and influences and just kind of molding them all together like you do so well it is it is a pleasure to to share a podcast with you i think it's barack obama who said uh the unexamined life is not worth living and he loves hamilton (laughs) talk to you later buddy talk to you later buddy